And now, it's time to sit back and enjoy the Two True Freaks Internet Radio Broadcast. Mr. Scott, shall we give the Enterprise a proper shakedown? I would say it's time for that, sir. I... Before this drama unfolds, we give welcome to the ones named Kirk and Spock. You! What planet is this? Which one of you is the captain? Do we violate the treaty, Captain? Sir, someone is stealing the Enterprise. What are you scratching at? <laughs> Humans make illogical decisions. Destruct sequence completed and engaged. No! Yes, I found Mr. Spock. I'm talking to Mr. Spock. You understand? Welcome to Star Trek Monthly Monday number 45. It's the late night. What this the is the hell third was that? In a row. Hello, it's my, my uh, well, I only have one microphone, but it's sort of a stereo effect, right? Hello. No, anyway, no, it is not. I'm Chris Honeywell. I'm here with Scott Gardner, and we have a special returning guest, Chris Gallo. <gasps> hey, guys. <laughs> How's it going, man? Jesus, it's been like forever and a month since we've had you on the show. What what was that? Please tell me that the last time you were on was not yesterday is the middle of next week or whatever the name of that <laughs> no, episode he's is. Been was on that since then? Yeah, I've been on since then, but I could not tell you. You know, that's the problem with being an old man. You know, you well, forget I think it was in a yeah, I think it was in like one of those big group calls of yeah. something. We had a whole uh, bunch of people. Okay. We did the Wonder Woman one. I remember that. Uh, yes. That's right. That's, that's right. Right. I remember okay. photoshopping you onto Wonder Woman. Yeah. Always a pleasure. And yeah, never looked better. <laughs> Always a pleasure for me. Torture for Wonder Woman. I'm sure she's really pleased when. It's torture for me, you know. I mean, that's supposed to be bait material. Pictures of Linda Carter, not not you know disturbing imagery. But. I know, and I put Andrew Leyland and hair metal hero and Scott Gardner on her face. Yeah, <laughs> doesn't doesn't. Star- hair metal hero did make a charming uh, Wonder Woman, though I must say. <laughs> He makes a charming woman, period, I think. <laughs> I was great in Poltergeist. <laughs> <laughs> 
I'm not even going to touch that one. <laughs> well, we're just che- we're just meticulously checking to see how many of the Demanza Court podcasts he, he actually listens to. <laughs> now we're going to get to check off Star Trek Monthly Monday. When, 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 <laughs> yep. <laughs> so how are you, Chris? What have you been up to? Oh, not much. Working, listening to you guys' podcast, yelling at you when you get things wrong. You know, <laughs> no, that's the wrong episode. Um, I'm surprised you even have a voice right now. <laughs> uh, My favorite part is when, is when you guys are like picking the next episode and you, you say, say the number and you know which one of the episodes is that and I'm sitting there screaming, no, oh, it's this, it's this episode. You know, like don't you guys know? Oh, you're that guy. Okay, I am that oh. guy. <laughs> Uh, see, you need to you need to write in. If we're getting if we're getting things wrong, then you need to write in. You need to call us on that because we need that. We need to be fact checked. We need to we need to be uh, just called to the carpet for these things. Cause if if for no other reason than it's funny. So because we've been very very naughty podcasters, very naughty podcasters. You know, you usually get everything right. It just it takes you a while sometimes, and I'm, that's when I'm like sitting there going, you know, it's like. The like when you watch a game show and you know the, they ask a question and you're like answering a question you keep answering it over and over again like come on guy everybody knows yeah. this you you're know watching this big fat sweaty guy sitting on TV going thighs <laughs> and you're I'm going, like Baton Rouge Baton Rouge <laughs> you know <laughs> yeah I'm I'm like that with uh, with I watch Jeopardy uh, religiously and I'm like that with these people that can quote Shakespeare backwards and but they don't know which movie you know set of movies started with a long time ago and a galaxy far far away I'm like seriously your priorities are totally screwed all right <laughs> yeah, everybody knows that's Raiders and Lost Ark <laughs> 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 well, well, yeah. Go ahead. Oh no, I'm. <laughs> I don't know where I was going with that. <laughs> it's a good place to start, though. Well, <laughs> well, yeah, I got nothing. <laughs> well, the, I, I know where we're going. It's it's what it's um. Well, I guess in the in our in our sister episode to this, the next generation, we got rid of any Star Trek news. Unless Chris Gallo, do you have any Star Trek news lately? Have you gotten any cool Star Trek toys or read any Star Trek books or uh, um, done anything particularly Star Trekky lately? Um, Trekish. Well, yeah, well, you, uh, I posted that on a forum a little while ago. Those little um, those uh, pint glasses I picked up at um, Target. You know the um, the ones oh, that yeah. look based on the kind of looks reminds me of the old um, Gold Key uh, Star Trek cover mm-hmm. uh, Star Trek comics the artwork pretty fun you know they're sitting here on my desk you know like any other good geek I'm not I'm never gonna break them out of the box they're just gonna sit there look pretty <laughs> you're not gonna drink your Romulan ale out of them but first the Tranya. <laughs> I, uh, it's you know it's one of those things. I'm a total nerd. You know they say in the box. You know like, I can't touch them. You know they're gonna be worth something someday. <laughs> <laughs> but um, no, you know you know the books. I haven't read a a, a new one in a while. I've just been a little swamped. Um, I have been um, following that um, IDW series. You know Doctor Who, Star Trek Next Gen. How uh, was it? Oh yeah. I like it a lot. Um, that painted art style, I'm usually not a fan of it, but 
Mm-hmm. Um, the guy, uh, uh, forget his name, um, J.K. Woodward, I think it is, or something like that. Um, you know, he's he's done a really good job of capturing the you know the characters. So it's you know it, it helped a lot for me because I'm just like usually that's just not my style of artwork. But but I liked it. I've liked it so far. I mean, plus it doesn't hurt. He's doing a really good job with um uh um the girl, the companion, Amy. You know, the little redhead. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> oh yeah. Yeah, baby. <laughs> but, <Companion>. um, <laughs> but it's um it's good. I, I really enjoyed it. You know um, and about that's about it really. You know, other than that, just in standard stuff. You know, lurking around. You know. Just school, you know. schoolyards or something, or <laughs> <laughs> dark alleys. Give me a little play. I'm going to show you a, ner- a broken neck pinch. <laughs> oh, this is your time of the year, then, man. Save up that candy. <laughs> That's like money in the bank for you. <laughs> They'll nah. come right to your door. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> as long as you're not on any watch list, you know. I, I know, think really. they have iPhone apps for that now. So, <laughs> well, there's ways around that, you know. <laughs> <laughs> but no, that's about it, really. Just you know, <laughs> standard stuff: working, surviving, paying bills, things like that. You know, nothing, nothing too fun. <laughs> yeah, I hear you about that. But the trying to pay bills part, anyway, <laughs> making making a solid attempt at yes. it. Yes. <laughs> well, there's a difference between paying bills and paying all the bills. You know, right? Yeah, yeah you, exactly. have to, you have to qualify it. You know, but yeah, I know all about that. Robbing Peter, Paul, and Mary to pay George or whatever the hell that expression is. I yeah. just beat. I just beat the hell out of. I used to beat the hell out of Peter, Paul, and Mary. Take their money and just give it to George Harrison. <laughs> that works. <laughs> so, so anyway, so this episode that's been handpicked from our Star Trek computer and uh, is uh, the Tholian Web. <laughs> Fascinating. We see it, but our sensors indicate it is not there. Space itself is literally breaking up. The captain's neck is broken. Bones, what is it? Jim, this ship is dissolving. My hand just passed through a man and a table. (laughs) We must accept the fact that Captain Kirk is no longer alive. And there was a little controversy in our Next Generation episode because Scott finally gave the um, the the boot to our the synopses that we've been ripping off from what what was his name like Fred Balsack or something like that <laughs> close <laughs> enough yeah yeah and uh, and uh, Larry so we Nemesek uh, sorry Larry ne- Nemesek. So Harry Harry Balsack was writing some pretty <laughs> crappy uh, synopses. Oh so yeah. Scott sort of gave him the boot in 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 preference to hopefully we'll see if these ones hold up. You know, we'll now that they see what happened with the last guy. But 
There's been a little snag in that, huh? I hear we're gonna go crawling back to the ball sack this time. Well, no, this is a different this this is a different book because it's two different books for each ser- or, you know a different book for each series. So this mm-hmm. is the Star Trek Compendium. These are actually this book, uh, according to the cover, is Alan Asherman. I don't know if he wrote oh, the entire okay. book, but for the so most we're going part, from the ball sack to the ass man. Exactly. I'm usually <laughs> fairly happy with the synopses in here but uh we'll see i mean this i i've already read this one and i i thought hey you know for a change this actually works so for the moment asherman keeps gets to keep his job but uh if uh if it happens again that we're not happy with the synopses as they come out of uh the compen the uh compendium then we will go completely with the synopses out of the uh the nitpickers guide yeah but uh, I like that. You know, I, I just realized I completely failed to mention the the airing date on uh, the next gen episodes that we did. And now um, this is one drawback I feel for the compendium is it doesn't talk about the the air dates for these. But I'm imagining. Let's see. It says the final draft script for this was. Uh, oh, here it is, right here. It says filmed in early middle August 1968. It says probably I don't know what the turnaround time was, so I'm guessing. Late 68, early 69 is probably when it aired, but regardless, we were uh, we were just wee tykes. What, what were we going to say? I heard you say, hey, something. I had an idea. What's that? What if we ask our listeners, since mm-hmm. they know on both of these Star Trek which ones we're going to do the next month, mm-hmm. why don't we have a little contest? And we can always have the Hitchhiker's Guide to the Star Trek Galaxy as our uh, <laughs> as our safety net. Right, but have a contest to see who can write the best synopsis. It has to be a short synopsis, you know, like a just a little minute, you know. That that'll be one of the grades. We'll probably, you know, keeping it short, sweet, and the best, either most amusing or whatever, whatever one works well. But you know, right? If um, if somebody wants to write up a synopsis and and we like it, maybe we'll use it. I like and that. And I say idea. maybe because, you know, I know some of you are a little bit, I don't know how to put it nicely. Illiterate. Like illiterate, yeah. <laughs> so if, you, you know, I mean. Not to put if, too fine a point on if it. We, yeah. If it was a video podcast, you could draw us a bunch of pictures and send them in and we could put them on the show. But eh, it ain't going to work, you know. And then we won't, be, you know, you won't be able to sign your name and we'll just have to say, well, that was written by X, you know. So, yeah. yeah. So. That sounds like a cool idea, actually. I like that idea. I really do. Maybe we maybe we can even uh, come up with with some sort of swag or something at some point. Yeah, I'm with, sure we got some extra dude. Star Trek things laying around of our houses that we could uh, <laughs> fling somebody's way. <laughs> All right. So let's see here. The synopsis out of the Star Trek compendium reads: The USS Enterprise discovers another Federation starship, the USS Defiant adrift in an unexplored quadrant of space. Beaming, beaming aboard in spacesuits, Kirk, Spock, McCoy, and Chekhov discover that the Defiance crew is dead. Before their deaths, the crew had mutinied and apparently engaged in other forms of violence among themselves. The Defiant is discovered to be drifting into another dimension. Its substance is becoming non-existent. The landing party is safely transferred back to the Enterprise, except for Kirk, who is uh, still stranded aboard of the Defiant when it vanishes from sight. Mr. Spock calculates 
when the ghost ship will rematerialize. At that time, the Enterprise will theoretically be able to rescue Captain Kirk, provided that his oxygen hasn't run out yet. The weight proves extremely hazardous. This segment of space, because of its peculiar situation, renders the crew hostile to each other. <laughs> they're, all, they're usually pretty hostile to each other anyway, but... <laughs> When Kirk is presumed dead after the initial interphase fails to rematerialize the Defiant, the crew's morale sinks to a point at which several crew members and finally the entire bridge crew seems to see Kirk's ghostly figure. The captain is actually alive and Spock realizes that there is still a chance to retrieve him. The Tholians, a hitherto unknown alien race, and I'm going to comment on that a little bit later, enter the scene and accuse the Enterprise of trespassing into their space. They weave an energized web around the starships. Uh, Spock manages to flee the web barely in time, while also, also managing to take Kirk's ghostly form with the Enterprise. Kirk is beamed aboard after he materializes his spacesuit's oxygen supply almost completely gone. And, uh, yeah, I thought that was a pretty decent synopsis of, uh, of what I think is a fantastic episode. What do you guys think of the Tholian web? Best season three one that we've done yet. Yeah. Sure. This has always been a, good, a favorite of mine. This is really good. I love how it showcases everybody else in this, you know. Everybody gets a nice juicy role, except for maybe um, Sulu. So you got Scotty, Uhura, Chekhov screaming his head off, you know, Spock. McCoy, it's great, great episode. Oh, Chekhov gets to go full Van Gelder in this one, you know. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I think it's in your contract after you've been in Star Trek so long, you get a Van Gelder scene. <laughs> yeah, the 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 full ensemble cast is in this one, which uh, which I really like. And I got to thinking about that. Maybe that's why. You know, going back to that old thing we were discussing, you know, in several past episodes about. You know why is that notion? Why has that stuck in the in the popular consciousness that you know that that Star Trek had this full ensemble cast where when you make you know the 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 reboot and such, you have to have you know all seven of these characters and it could be for for you know this very episode or episodes like this because it came as a shock to me to learn that you know this was an Emmy award winning episode for Star Trek. I wasn't aware that the original Star Trek ever won anything. No, you know other than either. outside science fiction awards, I didn't realize that. But no, this was an Emmy award winning episode. There's it's a clearly, lot going on in this episode. Oh yeah. Yeah. You know, it's clearly one of the best episodes of the entire series. So yeah, you know I mean this that could be responsible for that. You know if it if it was that big a, a deal in its time that yeah, that might be why that idea has stuck all these years. Well, I know for me it gets the record number of reaction shots in the first 10 seconds of a TV show ever. It's like the opening scene is just a reaction shot of every single person. It's just like... Dum, 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 dum. It's like, what the hell are they looking at, you know? <laughs> you know, this... What does that say about William Shatner? This is the one episode that Star Trek gets an Emmy for, and he's pretty much not in it. No, he he's he can think probably in his own mind that it was the way he floated around as a ghost. <laughs> they put that episode over the top into the greatness. And in a way it is. And he did get his speech. He did get his, you know, videotaped I'm dead now speech. 
which yeah. was pretty lame, but it was early on in his career. You know, it wouldn't. It's just like when, when he was presumed dead, and and Spock did his his uh, his ceremony, and it's just like, Captain's got you know over the teeth and pass the gums. Look out, stomach! Here he comes. That's <laughs> basically you know. <laughs> It's a shame that, that McCoy didn't get a chance to pronounce him dead, though, and say, you're dead, Jim. That would, been, that would have been really good, I think. Uh, but, yeah, this one's really good. You know what also I've noticed in this episode? you got a lot of other crewmen, you know, the backgrounds. You start getting this, you really, they kind of jump out at you, you know. You get that um, lame um, the transporter room operator guy who, like, they probably have a lot of extras because they probably had to hire all the people to lay around dead in the, in the what was it, the Reliant? Uh, Defiant. Defiant. The Defiant. Yeah. In the Defiant, yeah. you know. So but, they had all those extras. Might as well have them walk around in the other scenes too, you know. Yeah, but talk about the best reaction shot. When he popped up from underneath the transporter, when, you know, when they had explained to Spock that his transporter was broken, and he looked like, you tell him. I'm not telling him. <laughs> to Scotty, you know, it was priceless. I, I was. Yeah, I, I, I remember that. sort of making a mental note that that extra was a little better actor than most of the other extras they had. He really looked like he belonged there, you know. Yeah, and I even, like that reaction shot because that's the reaction shot from Scotty that I call. No, the goddamn thing's broke again. That's kind of <laughs> the look that he's got on his. I remember that that look on my father's face when he committed to working on the car for six hours. You know. Jesus Christ, the Framarod's blasted on it. <laughs> it's going to be six months before I can get that piece of shit yeah. working again. Yeah, <laughs> but yeah, I mean, even the regulars stepped it up another notch, too. I mean, uh, when I remember was reviewing this for, for today, um, when at the very beginning, there's a shot when they first um, come across the Defiant, and Uhura's away from her station, and suddenly you're just like, there's the Defiant. You watch her in the background. She like races back to her board and starts, you know, starts fiddling with the dials, you know, mm -hmm. like like you would expect. You know, she realizes they're gonna try to, they're gonna want to talk to them, you know. So she, you know, realizes she's out of place. She gets back to her spot, does her little thing, and then when Kirk says, "Open the hailing frequency," I've tried, sir, you know, and you could, it's it fits what her motions fit. Yeah, exactly. There's a lot of little scenes like that in this episode. That, you know, they all kind of stepped it up another notch, which was, you know, kind of refreshing, you know. Well, I, I watched the real retooled version. Me too. But even, yeah. even before the retooling of it, this was this was one of the, I thought, better special effects mm -hmm. Star Trek's ever, too. The Thol the, Thol the Just the way the Tholians worked and stuff. It was a simple effect, but it was really neat. And... And the ghostly Captain Kirk was genuinely creepy as hell. Oh, yeah, that's probably my biggest and most important note for me personally in this episode is that I, I, I swear to God, I, I'm not making this up. When I was a kid, Ghost Kirk scared the oh, shit yeah. out of me. Go I all mean, the way back to our first terrifying. Halloween episode yeah. Star Trek Attacks, you know? Yeah, it really did scare me. And what's, what I find particularly amazing about this episode, I mean... And I paid strict attention to this today. I've actually, I watched this episode actually twice in preparation for, for this episode. And uh, one thing I paid really strict attention to this time around, or the second time around, was uh, the music. 
I'm almost positive that there is no original music in this episode. No, I don't it's think there all is. Recycled. It's all just cues. It's recycled and cues and stuff. Yeah, I'm pretty sure That too. is amazing to me when I realized that because the ghostly music in this being pulled from prior episodes, it's seamless. I mean, I more associate the music in this episode with this episode than I do in the original episodes it comes from because I had to search that out. I had to find out where does that little ghost music come from? What the hell episode was that? And it turns out that a good portion of it is actually, of all places, it comes from Mud's Women, which I, to me is like a, a really bad episode. <laughs> it, but yeah, that's where so much of the music in this one comes from. And it's like, wow, that's really weird because they're completely dissimilar episodes, yet the music is recycled to just masterful use in this one. It's great. Hey, I was just thinking, man, between the Tho Kirk being a ghost in the Tholian web and being the face of Michael Myers in the Halloween, how many little kids have been just traumatized by William Shatner <laughs> over the years? Even today, you know, you watch that show of his, oh, uh, yeah. things my dad said, that, that traumatized a lot of people. <laughs> I'm sure, yeah, I'm sure that just, like, yeah, kills a lot of kids inside, for, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> now, the you know the synopsis said something in there about um, the role, the Rom, the not Romulans, Tholians being a previously unknown race. I didn't get that feeling. I've never really gotten that feeling. Unknown, maybe unknown to us. To is us, what he the meant, viewer, maybe. exactly. Yeah, because I, they were like, oh, they're the Tholians, you know. Yeah, right. I mean, Spock even had that line about the renowned Tholian yes. punctuality. You right. Know? Right. Yes. Somewhere or other, I don't know if it's the nitpicker's guide or where, but somewhere or other, I remember reading something about that. Uh, you know, how could Spock make that remark when they'd never met these people before? And I think that's pointing out that they have met these people before. They're just new to us. I never Not heard them in them. the show say, what are these, you know, usually when they're, when they meet a new race, they're like, they at least do something to try to figure out what the deal is with them, you know? And, right. and, you know, the oh, they're a crystalline form creature. Let's shoot, uh, you know, a wavelength that fractures crystal at them and scare them off or something. But this, they sort of knew what was going on. They were just like, oh, the Tholians. Oh, we've run a follow the Tholians. And sort of, you know, you might have even known that they would have made, you know, a, a web around, around you. But at that point, they couldn't leave because they were trying to get the captain, so... But they never go, you know, what's going on? Are they, they appear to be weaving a web around us. What is it, you know? There wasn't a lot of that. So it all pointed to the Tholians were just a race that they knew about that they just haven't mentioned on the show to us. Right. Yeah. Or maybe so. they were just not that familiar with them. Maybe they were like, you know, they've had not that much contact with them. That's, right. You know, because they did seem like they didn't know about the web. But they weren't too surprised when they, you right. know, they were. So that's, you know, that's the kind of take I took from it. It's like, well, maybe they just, you know, you know, they they hang on their little section, we hang on our little section, and you know, and that's about it. You know, there's not too much contact with them, because not like they seem like the most friendliest people on the face in the galaxy. You know. Right. Did either of you guys um, own the Mego Bridge playset when you were kids? No. I've I've seen it before when I remember playing with it at another little kid's house and I've seen it in toy stores, you know, in in 
antique stores and stuff. It's got the Tholian on it, doesn't it? I was just the... going to ask that. Is that if I was trying to remember if 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 this was true or if my memory was playing tricks on me, but it seems to me that either the screen it came with or one of the, I think it had interchangeable screens. You if could I change remember the right. screens somehow. Yeah, yes. and I think because one I think of it them... also had the guy from the end credits too. From oh, the... Baylock. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, I think you're right now that you say that. But yeah, I thought I was right about that, but I wasn't 100% sure because I've always... That's another thing that always would keep me re-watching this episode whenever it was on is that you only really ever get brief glimpses of the Tholian on the screen. And I was always fascinated by that because... You know, back when we were kids and on the shitty little, you know, black and white screen and all that, I always thought it was animated. I always thought it was it was a cartoon. And I didn't realize that whatever that weird effect is they're using for the for the Thole. And, you know, you see it now in, in crystal clarity and it's still a bizarre image. I still right. can't figure out exactly how that's made. And, uh, I, and I like that. It's I always almost like, like a backlit painting or something with another yeah. layer over it. But I mean, they're clearly the most alien of alien races that I think we ever meet in Star Trek, you know, up to this point anyway. Yeah, it's definitely a product of the time. It was very 60-ish, you know, the kind of psychedelic colors and sound. <laughs> you know, it's like... I know. like that they didn't change it that much in the, in the tooled-up version of it. No. Did they change it at all? It's hard to tell. It didn't look yeah. like they did, but a lot of times they they're so subtle. They could have done several different things. I'd have to I'd have to see the two of them side by side, but they probably if they did, they probably just like made it clearer or made his eyes reflect light or something to give it more dimension. Something subtle if they did anything, but for the most part, it looks like I remember it. Right. You know, I, I like I say, I love this episode, but I'm not afraid to point out some nitpicks with it. <laughs> oh, yeah. Um, there's a few of them. Spock mm -hmm. actually has the audacity to say that there's never been any record of mutiny ever on a starship. I'm pretty sure that we've seen mutiny on the Enterprise. <laughs> I'm just on the episode. Enterprise yeah. a few times. Yeah, pretty damn sure about that. I, um, so I, I really uh, seem to remember this whole, like, let me check the recording tape here, you know, like, you're talking about mutiny, Scotty. <laughs> I. Yeah. yeah. Uh, Khan. Well, that wasn't really a mutiny. That was more. <laughs> yeah. Um. I love the spacesuits. I absolutely love the spacesuits. It's always been one of my favorite um, things about this episode. However, they look like old electric razors. <laughs> <laughs> they do actually, <laughs> but they all have nameplates okay. on. Yeah, uh, <laughs> yeah they uh, have their own. <laughs> now, does every single crew member have their own, or they all just have a little name tag, or how does that work? Somebody's got to explain this to me because it could it's... be like dog tags, and they just they have their name tag and they clip it onto stuff clip like that, on. and yeah. they end up a space corpse, and someone has to identify them. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I noticed that too, and it's not even you know. Like full names, just last name Kirk, Kirk you know, Kirk, yeah. <laughs> McCoy, you know. Uh, but yeah, One... it could be maybe they um, 
they replicate them, you know, <laughs> before they take off. Yeah, yeah. See, I thought about that, but I'm 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 still undecided whether I believe that they really have full replicator technology at this point, like they do in next gen. I'm I I can't make up my mind whether they they do or they don't on that. I can't <laughs> ever seem to get a solid answer on that. One of the big ones to me, it, there's a moment in this where. Uh, you know, it's, it, <laughs> I love the checkout freaks or checkoff freaks the hell out scene. I, I love that. <laughs> uh-huh. And then right after it, you know, after they, you know, he gets the nerve pinch and they card him off. You know, they're all comparing notes and Sulu, you know, pipes up and says, well, he seemed to have several spasms of pain just before he went nuts. And I'm thinking, why the hell didn't you say something? <laughs> I mean, this isn't an early first season episode. You assholes have been through enough shit together that by now you should realize that when they do the little, you know, the, the you know, for the world is hollow and I have touched the sky, you know, twitchy heads, then yeah, something's the first, wrong with that. With that first line of dialogue where he's like, what do you mean? The blah, 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 blah. They should have been, you know, somebody should have been like, hey, simmer down there, mister. Yeah. What's up, you know? I don't see what's but so they, goddamn special about this area of space anyway. Yeah, yeah I was noticing it, but the, his close friends and colleagues didn't notice that he was getting a little hostile at the end. What I liked is Dr. McCoy. I couldn't tell if it was starting to kick in with him or if he was just a, just a little grumpier than usual. <laughs> well, you know, in all fairness, maybe it was that time of the month for Chekhov, you know, a little, a little <laughs> <laughs> just, you know, you know, I can't take it anymore. You know, he's, you know, they say men have periods, so I don't know. Maybe he's, he's always the first one to freak out, too. He's always the emotional one, that's for sure. Yeah. He's always the one that gets, like, wound up the most. So, yeah, maybe. <laughs> <laughs> you know, in our in our next gen uh, feature this month, you know, next gen episode this month, uh, we introduced a new feature called uh, "What I Learned from Star Trek This Month," and <laughs> we're gonna do it in both <laughs> editions of the show from now on. So, what I learned from Star Trek this month is whenever a good friend or a coworker flips the hell out, the very best remedy is to grab both sides of their head and scream their name directly in their face. Hmm. You know what I learned this month? When it's time to go to bed, go find a five-pound piece of jewelry and hang it around your neck. (laughs) (laughs) She's got you, Scott. That's that's a winner right there. That's going to serve me for the rest of my life, that little bit of information. Is uh, am I right in thinking that this is the only time prior to Star Trek Two that we ever see these guys in personal civvies, or you know, it's it's just a hurra in this one, but do we ever see them in their own personal? I don't clothes? think so. I don't think so either. I mean, we see like Kirk and Spock as Nazis or dressed up like right, uh, right. The, but that's like in that's like in yeah. a costume. To, costume, yeah, yeah. This yeah. time, I mean, I think we found out that she's like a descendant of Flavor Flav or something like that. <laughs> yeah, boy. <laughs> <laughs> oh lord! It's like I'm like her's putting on the bling. I mean, seriously, that thing was about eight. It was probably like space platinum, too. It was just human. It's just like, yeah, that's just what you want to curl up in bed with is like this big. It was like a <laughs> dinner plate. It's got a name engraved on it. You know, ooh, ooh, ah. It's just got dollar signs, <laughs> even though wow. they don't even have money anymore on there. Yeah. I love the little touches when, whenever they're done, the little touches that that make 
the the episodes or the universe that they're in just feel just slightly more real and and lived in and realistic and there's a great one it's very subtle but it's in this episode where um spock calls down to scotty and he waits a second and then he starts to call him again and then scotty chimes in so it's it's like it, it, to me, that's realistic because one of the things that's always bugged me in Star Trek is when they'll call somebody on the communicator and that person answers <laughs> them like instantly. They're right by the wall. Like, yeah. yeah. Hello. You know? And, yeah, and it's, a, it's a little detail that like usually you would think that would be something you'd want to edit out or something because it, it's like a, just a real life. But it's a real life moment. Right. Exactly. I really like that. Um, I mean, this is it's such a it's it's a beautifully directed episode but uh i like the way that it, it it's it's something to do with like the pacing and and the setup of scenes like you know the funeral scene in particular is mm-hmm. excellent because as soon as spock gets the words out that that kirk is dead that guy flips out <laughs> it's just really nicely staged you know really really good scenes like that yeah, I mean, Spock gets a full thing with people giving tearful, you know, he was my best friend instead. He gets amazing grace. <laughs> Kirk gets Spock, you know, just like ashes, ashes, dust to dust, see you later, boop. And then the guy goes, Aye! and it's not even because he's so upset. It's because his space madness is kicking in. <laughs> and that just sort of busts up the whole thing. So Kirk literally got like a two minute, you know, Captain Kirk got a two minute you know, funeral in, in space. <laughs> it was just so, so anticlimactic. It's just like, yeah, definitely, definitely. If you want to die first in star Trek, you want to be Spock because you're going to get the decent one. Anybody else is getting short shrifted. <laughs> yeah. And you know, it, it was nice to see that there are some other people of color on the enterprise. When you, we looked at the background of all those people, you're like, right. Hey, look, look, there's another another Asian person. Look at that. Sulu's not all by himself. You know, <laughs> I See, mean, that's one of those details I I found uh, interesting when I when I started to buy these when they were starting to come out on on videotape back in the '90s. Is that you know there's a great interview somewhere with uh, Whoopi Goldberg very early on in the Next Generation where she was commenting about, you know, her childhood connection to Star Trek because I remember very specifically she used the term black people that there were black people in Star Trek and I'm thinking no whoopee there weren't. There was Uhura and there was that dude that uh that the salt vampire impersonates in that one episode who was a black guy and that's it. And then watching these episodes modern day when the technology's better and you can actually see the episode, you know, and see mm-hmm. background details, you realize, no, there were. They I mean, they chalked and the that backgrounds means, full of And that might even mean more to so, like a little kid watching it than a hurrah or something because it just means this is just normalized. You know, it's right. just it's just a, this is normal everyday life. It's not even worth, it's going on in the background. It's not even worth making a big deal out of. So, Yeah. Yeah. And uh, I mean, we, th- but that's because we think nothing of it today because that's what it looks like in the backgrounds today of everything. But, right. but yeah. not in those days, it, it sure didn't. So, some great moments in this one, though. I mean, yeah. I, I really like the moments, especially between, uh, between Spock and McCoy, because I think this is 
This is probably yes. the episode more than any other that really solidified the fact that, you know, these aren't two guys that just like barely tolerate each other or whatever. By the end of this episode, they're they finding a secret buddies. together. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They yeah, they sh- they shared a, a an adventure and all that. I like that. I like that a lot. And well, yeah, yep. and they went out of their way to fuck with with Captain Kirk. Kirk's head too at the end. And, <laughs> yeah. and, and no, we didn't see it. it. We didn't yeah. see your last well, order. No, I, I have that, that always no idea what you're crazy. talking about. That drove me crazy as a kid. It's like I, I literally did not get that. I'm like sitting there going, "What? What the hell are they talking about? They did listen to it, you know." <laughs> I, you know, I'm like to this day, it's still kind of like, you know, like I think of it as almost like a mistake, you know. I mean. I get it, what they're trying to do, but it just seems wrong. You know, Spock's lying. He says, no, you know, we didn't see it. No, nope, not, not us. Nope, 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 nope. You know? <laughs> <laughs> but I'll well, tell it's you good that... because you think Vulcans are emotionless, but, you know, you can still be emotionless and appreciate a good, a good joke. Yeah. Well, you know what? I'll tell you one thing that really was kind of odd in this episode. Here they are, minutes away from the last chance they're going to save Kirk. You know, the Tholian web is about to be closed, and they're going to be stuck in there forever. All these things are happening. They come up with the solution, you know, the the cure for the inner space disease, I guess you would call it. And what does Scotty say? Well, I'm going to go try this little scotch, see how this works, you know. I'll be right (laughs) back. Oh, great, that's what you want, your engineer drinking on the job, you know. Could you wait a few minutes until we get out of the situation before you have tossed one back there, Scotty? <laughs> I just appreciate the fact that somebody came up with the idea that the ultimate solution to all this was going to be Tang. I thought that was awesome. <laughs> Very appropriate. He's probably a better engineer when he's tanked, so they're just like, let him go. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. Gets a few enemy mellows right out. Yeah, yeah. He won't be so, he won't be such a pain in the ass. He I, he'll just want to like put his arm around you a little more than often and sing sing the song Danny Boy or something. You know, <laughs> <laughs> the pipes, the pipes are killing you. One more time. <laughs> yeah, I I really think the Tholian Web was the wrong title for this. What I think it should have been um, um, the Space Philadelphia Experiment. Because <laughs> that's basically, it's almost like this. I just watched the Philado- that Philado- that 1984 Philadelphia Experiment movie. Oh, I love that movie. Yeah, yeah me too. It's the same thing. You got a ghost ship. It's glowing green, just like it was in the, in the movie. And, you know, Kirk is the guy who gets, you know, gets on it when it's transitioning into another, you know, it's almost the same scenario you know luckily kirk didn't like you know come out halfway into the hall of the defiant but you didn't watch that for a show did you no i just watched it for fun man i was gonna say you do a show on that without me i'm 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 not gonna speak to you anymore because i love that movie (laughs) somebody today was just asking us when the next freak files came out and and if we were gonna do the philadelphia experiment movie and i said i said we'll touch upon it but we'll be touching upon the real philadelphia experiment exactly yeah That is a good analogy, though. I hadn't thought about that, but no, that is a really apt uh, analogy because you're right. They are very similar stories. 
I don't um, think when this was made, though, like the book had come out or anything, and it was anything that anybody knew about. So I think it's no. pretty much just a coincidence. Yeah. But this one did have, I was reading this somewhere today, that this one did have a different working title, but I remember thinking that that working title was pretty lame, but now I'm not seeing it here. It well, was, oh, here it is. In essence, nothing was the working yes, title. Yes, that kind of sucks. That sucks. Yeah. That. That's just asking for someone who doesn't like it to use it against you in a review. <laughs> yes, that's true. This... And this episode lives up to its title. <laughs> um, but I think this is a perfect point to uh, bring in uh, our uh, our bonus and and take this opportunity to apologize once again for booting out the Star Trek comics. But they'll come back. Yeah. You can you can listen to uh, the Next Generation to get a little taste of talk about Star Trek comics, but just a little taste. I, I think we just need to be honest that, you know, there's two two things at play this month because I know that we, I don't know if we outright promised that we would do a comic this time around, but I know that we did say that we were going to get back to it. It's basically, but there's you two things at play. promised to do the comics. <laughs> For we one lied. thing, you know, you and I are just really, really busy now with, with things going on both with the shows and just in real life. But also, I was thrilled by the idea of uh, when when Chris Gallo got in touch with us about an idea that I, I already had kind of tickling the back of my mind anyway. Mm. And he was like, hey, why don't you guys do this? And we were like, hey, that's a great idea. And tell you what, why don't you come on to talk about well, it? Well, let's, so. let's just put it this way. We weren't. You were because I didn't know what the hell he was talking about. <laughs> I so. knew. I knew if I could get you to get past whatever hang-up you might have or whatever, whatever the reason was you'd never check this out, I knew that you would enjoy it. And I, if I'm not mistaken, you told me that you really did enjoy it after all. So, Oh, oh, oh yeah, that uh, enjoy is a mild word for, so, for my experience. I say we let, uh, we let Chris Gallo introduce this section since this was, this was really his idea. <laughs> well... But if you guys haven't guessed yet, we're talking about the Enterprise episode in a mirror darkly, which not only touches upon the mirror mirror universe, but really goes into the Tholian web episode because that's where it all starts. That these guys, uh, the Tholians on the mirror universe, have set up a trap to bring in ships from our universe to theirs. And what I really like about this episode is you it fills in some blanks. You get to see things from the other side, and it's, it's, it was just done very, very well. I mean, whoever, whoever did this episode wrote it and directed it, they really did a good job. They must they knew have... They their Star Trek. Yeah, oh, yeah. and they and reviewed this episode. <laughs> I mean, little details like the fact that they place crewmen exactly the way they were in the episode. Mm -hmm. Dead I bodies mean, of crewmen, yes. Yeah, yeah. I mean, the this in Tholian Web, you know, when they go on the bridge and they find that one um, engineer on top of the captain with his neck and says, Jim, his neck had been snapped. And what do they find? You get back the exact same shot from a different angle. I mean, so I guess not the same shot, um, but the same set you know and there's the guy on top of the captain and you know they 
pull him off, and you can see it. You know, it's like little details like that. Was well, doesn't doesn't to uh, to Paul say that too? Doesn't she? Yeah, she yeah, says yeah, the, the yeah, captain's yeah, neck's yeah, been broken, which is yeah. A, yeah the same yeah. line. Which I love those little touches like that. Yeah. Oh. Yeah. Oh, oh. Oh. This is great. I mean, and then plus, you know, it, it was kind of they got things right. Like they got the insignia. You know. You know, because mm-hmm. it could have been so easy for them to use a different one or use the standard Enterprise one, you know, if they weren't paying attention. Things like that. It was great. And then we found out what caused all this. And this is kind of a, a to me, this is it might be a little bit of a stretch, but it makes sense. In the, um, in a Mirror Darkly episode, they explained that the Tholians set off a cobalt um, warhead inside of a dead star. And, um, that that created the rift, you know, the interspatial rift, and they sent out a distress signal to dr- draw ships in. That explains why the Defiant was there. Mm-hmm. I mean, right. think about it. They're in this little interspatial area, and, you know, it's driving them crazy. They, there had to be a reason why they were there for so long. I mean, let's face it. If you go in there, you hear a distress signal, and suddenly there's nobody here, you know, and people start going crazy. You're like, you know what? Let's get the heck out of here, you know? But no, they they're staying around. So you could you could be something like, you could see them saying, "Well, the stress signal saying we're sucked over here. You know, please get us out." And they're trying to figure a way to get them out. That's why they were there for so long, and that's why everybody went crazy and killed each other. It makes sense, and you know, so it's just a great episode. You know, things like that. It just fills in little tiny details. Um, you know, and we get to see we learn more about the Tholians. You know, we, you know, that scene when they were torturing the, the um, Tholian uh, captain. Wow. Yes. <laughs> you know, um, I mean, just simply to get to actually see the Tholian, you know, full bodied and everything and get what to see what they really look like mm-hmm. as a species and how they move and how they communicate. That to me was a big thrill. I thought that was really, really cool because yeah. ever since I was a kid, I'd wanted more than just that creepy headshot. I wanted to know more about these well, guys. Well, it was you know? neat, and you find out that they're like crystalline structure, and they're almost <laughs> their own radio transmitter. They can vibrate themselves and communicate to each other and stuff like that. It's really yeah, neat. yeah, and that yeah. they live in such a hot. Um, they need a hot client, you know, uh, temperature, the climate, and mm-hmm. which, if you go back to the uh, Tholian web episode, where you see the Enter- when the Enterprise gets to see that picture of a Tholian. There's like and heat the back- distortion. Yeah, exactly. It's like, wow, they never said that in the original. They, re- you know, these guys, when they did the uh, Enterprise episode, they reviewed that and said, hey, this kind of looks like heat. So let's make this, this. Again, it all sort of fits, you know. Um, and then we get to see the Tholian web again. This time we got to see it when it was more than two ships. So that was my only like kind of like, mm, you know, because it seemed a little too quick. Yeah, I have a, I have an explanation for that because I was watching this with uh, with my boys and one of them said, "Well, that was really fast because we had just watched the Tholian web and then we were watching this and they said the same thing that the web forms way too quick." But if you remember, Spock shot that one ship. So mm-hmm. my no prize for this is that the one ship was damaged, so even though the other one was perfectly all right, the one was damaged, so they had to go. They had slowly. to do it. The, uh, use a different manner to do it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because yeah, they actually had it seemed like they wove it. Where this one, they just sort of positioned they just turned themselves. It on. Yeah, yeah, right, exactly. It on, yeah. yeah, 
But I mean, this is just a like I said, this is a good episode. Plus, you got other things in there. You know, they had you got to see Gorn again in this episode. Yeah. See, that's the thing to me is that this is this is uh, a, a sequel basically to three classic episodes because you've got Tholian Web, you know, you've got a uh, um, mirror, uh, mirror, 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 and the one with the, what the hell's the, the arena. name? The arena. the arena, yeah, I can't arena. Remember. But you're, arena. But you're but you're sort of playing with fire with that. It it sounds like if somebody put that on paper and said we're going to weave all these elements into this one, I would have been like, you know. That sounds very fanboyish to me, but this was just written so well that it turned out being awesome. <laughs> See, <laughs> I won't disagree with all you. that stuff. I won't disagree with you that it's that it's um, well written and and well directed, very well acted. But I will I will say I think it is fanboyish. But by this point, that's exactly what everybody was bitching about and saying, we need more of this. We need, why isn't it more like this? Why isn't it more like that? I think with this two-parter, they finally gave the fans what they had been bitching about. Why do you have this shitty music in the beginning of it? Right, yeah. I love the theme for these two episodes. (laughs) Yeah. Oh, yeah. They went all out. I mean, they created a whole new theme, a whole new opening credits, you know? I, oh, go, go ahead. Oh, I was one thing I was going to say was, you know what was kind of scary about the new opening credits? Up until the point where they show the, um, the um, Terran Empire flag on the moon. It all was all real stuff. <laughs> real stuff from our world. Exactly, yeah. you know. Uh, like, yeah, they could have been us until a certain point when they turned, you know. Or, right, or yeah. When, yeah. But yeah. Um, I got to tell you, my you see... All I knew is this was an Enterprise show that referenced the Tholians again. So I was like, okay, that's going to be interesting. And I knew that there was, was it a Voyager one that went back to um, Tribbles? DS9. It was DS9. Yeah. And um, so I was thinking along that lines. So, you know, the the very beginning of this has basically, which is really funny because I was just listening to a podcast with a review of Star Trek First Contact in it. And hmm. um, where someone was bitching about they liked the half of the movie that took place on the planet, but everything that happened on the shit was shit. But anyway, so all of a sudden I'm watching... I'm watching it and I'm like, am I watching the right file? Because I'm watching First Contact here, you know? And then I'm like, okay, so they're going to somehow work this in with First Contact. And I'm like, I don't know, maybe I have the wrong episode here or something. And then he whips out the gun and, and blasts the, the Vulcan. Mm-hmm. And then I'm like, what the hell is going on here? Is this going to be something where they have to fix something in time or something, you know? And then the credits started, and then once I realized that it's the Empire, I was just like, oh, ho, 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 yes. And speaking of the scene, didn't they cut that thing beautifully? I mean, oh, was, yes. Oh, wow. It was so seamless. You know. Did they actually get um, – I I, now I'm trying to remember the actor's no. name. No, that, they did. They, uh, James I, Cromwell. Cromwell. So yeah, so they just did a guy with his arms and stuff whipping yeah. out the gun. Because if just you notice, when they storm the, the ship, he's not among them. Right, right. Though you see his back of his from the back and stuff like that. But even even they got the these extras and they made them look right in there and they just interwove those scenes so it looked like one long continuous shot. 
it was done so well. What I, I mean, found very strange was that somewhere in the uh, the series of Trek books that William Shatner uh, wrote or or whatever the whole deal was with those, <laughs> the ones that he's credited as having written, um, somewhere in there it was – I can't remember if it's said outright or if it's just implied, but somewhere in there um, you discover that basically the point where the two universes diverged was when – uh, Riker and LaForge accompanied Cochrane on that first warp flight. There's somewhere right in that sequence was the divergence, which I always thought was really interesting. But uh, I, I mean, I really, really enjoy this. The, the only thing, I mean, and this is a really minor nitpick because it doesn't like ruin the episode for me or anything, but the only thing that does kind of stick out in my mind though is that if these are parallel universes, then why are they a hundred years out of phase with each, or you know, out of sync with each other? Mm -hmm. That's the only thing that I didn't quite get with this. They don't really ever explain that, but and I'm fine with that. But it it does, you know, on subsequent rewatches, it it occurred to me once that they don't really ever explain that. Because the, I think okay. when you travel through dimensions, you're traveling through time too. So I guess their but distortion then... was a time distortion on top of a dimensional. I mean, I guess I could buy that. It's just that you know, in the in the original Mirror Mirror episode, it's they clear got to that a, they got to into their dimensions a different way. So yeah, that's true too. Yeah, yeah. The other, Mirror Mirror was the Ion Storm, and this was a um, you know a Cobalt Warhead in a gravity well of a dead star. So yeah, yeah. it was more of an engineered thing. You know, yeah. it was a uh, so. I gotta ask you though, what you know, because I I can distinctly remember my first time watching this episode. What did you think when you realized, holy shit, that's the Defiant from Tholi and Webb? What did you think of that? I knew it well when once they started saying what they were gonna do, and since I knew it had a Tholi and Webb connection, I wasn't too. I figured that was gonna be what was it? What was in it? What I love about that is. You get to see basically a uh, original Enterprise style ship doing Wrath of Khan battle yes. oh, which yeah. you've never seen before. Oh, so yeah. once I saw it, I'm like, there's no way they're gonna have the Defiance sit there without having Bacula drive that sucker out of there. That was my first thought is he's pulling out of there with that thing. Yeah. You know, at some point because that's because the way it was going was Somebody was sitting there writing this episode going, okay, we've got the awesomeness factor peaked up. Let's pump it up one more. So I knew they were just going to go for money shot after money shot. But the way they were pulling it off did it without it being forced. You know, it made it into a really good story. And I'm not familiar with the Enterprise characters, but I'm guessing that there's also a lot of bonus goodnessy stuff in there for people who follow Enterprise to see their mirror versions of oh, them yes. and what they oh, become, yes. yeah. you know. Yeah. They did. I, I didn't know, you know, but I figured it's there's a, there was the running theme of Vulcans being the ones who might be the instigators of, and you know, that, that also the running theme of, like, the Federation being so awesome that even if it trickles into the other, into evil universe a little bit, it's going to spread. You know, and the and the Vulcans are kind of the catalyst for that. The Vulcans are still, they're still the same. They're just in a different situation, you know. 
kind of like uh, uh, the mirror Spock was in Mirror Mirror. Right, right. Know? Yeah. I mean, there was a lot of little things in this episode. It just was, you just loved the, you could latch on to. I saw this uh, Enterprise episode when it first aired, and I, sounds like I had the same reaction as you did, Scott. It was like, you're like watching this going like, oh my God, it's the define, it's the, oh, you know, like all the pieces start falling together, you know, like, this is going to be this, it's going to be this, oh my God, this is going to be so cool. Um, and hats off to them for doing, <sighs> the only way I can say is we saw more of the Enterprise in, with on the defiant than we've seen in the, um, in the original series you saw a lot little more details I mean, oh yeah yeah I mean the scene where they're fighting the gorn and the, and you get to see the gravity deck plates I mean that's that was cool little, yeah little detail like that it was like oh they wow. fired the they fired the aft phasers yeah. which never was done in the yeah. original series and that I found I mean that I geeked out over that that's super nip yeah. you know super geeky but I I loved that I thought that yeah. was awesome although was the Gorn in arena was he like the equivalent of like a hundred and fifty year old Gorn because this <laughs> Gorn was like Mister Spry he was jumping out of <laughs> yeah you know this this Gorn would have polished off Kirk in you know five seconds. This guy could actually, if he got close to you, he could actually take his neck and move in and bite you. <laughs> I the think old, you have to give him that, though. I think if they the had old Gorn, you had to like sort of work your, Gorn. you know, like oh, oh, dude, come on, let me help you here, big guy, and like work your <laughs> neck into his mouth, you know. Yeah. And then we got Trip, who was exposed to uh, Delta rays. Yeah. Hey, so he's he's gonna be ending up in a wheelchair in a few more weeks, you know, with him and Pike hanging out. Oh my gosh, <laughs> <laughs> there was a lot of great stuff in this episode, and like it ties into the Tholian web so well. Um, like just, just seeing the Enterprise in action, in and did you notice that um, how um, uh, Scott Bakula started kind of. Acting a little bit more Kirkish. Oh yeah, film, definitely. Yeah. Oh yeah, there was nothing the subtle rail. about that. Oh, as yeah. soon as he got, as soon as he like was like, "Hey, I'm trying on the captain's outfit." It's just like, "Oh, good lord!" You know, when he, when he, when he kissed his ex, his new girlfriend. You know, new girlfriend from old girlfriend to new girlfriend to whatever. When he kissed her, he did the Kirk face mask mash, where he just went and wipes his face back and forth on hers. And then he gives a Kirk speech, and oh yeah, I there was, it was funny to see, like that the people on the Defiant were like, yeah, let's get the uniforms on from this ship, you yeah, know? Yeah, that, that's kind of creepy. Yeah, hey, hey, it was creepy, but it was really uh, just seeing Bakula in an old school captain's uniform. It really fit. It just yeah. seemed right. The yeah, real tragedy hilarious. of this episode, though, the, the, the thing that just breaks my heart is that here they finally deliver. You know, they finally did what everybody had been wanting them to do. It feels like Star Trek. It's, it's two bang-up episodes. Everything is just clicking so well on this. And if you ever get a chance to check out the actual DVDs for this, there are so many really nice bonus features, and a lot of them... Um, for this episode, uh, you know, a, a lot of features for these ep you know, these two part episode. Um, I think there's even commentaries and stuff, but a lot of like behind the scenes making of kind of stuff. And the two things that really struck me from all that the the behind the scenes stuff that you get to to hear about 
is that for one, they had very legitimate concerns that was this going to be a laughable episode that they're going from, you know, the enterprise, you know, of the show and, and the way it looks and it looks very, you know, futuristic and, and more or less realistic when you really look at it, you know, as, as far as what something like that is probably really going to look like. And now you are going to transition from that to the cheesy old 60s sets from the original TV show that are actually supposed to be a hundred years in the future. Mm-hmm. Yet, come on, they look cheesy because they're from the would it would it be laughable would people just look at it and go that's ridiculous or would they buy it now granted i'm you know prejudiced but i think they sell it i think they sell it really well yeah i think it it, they really sell the fact it it helps that everybody's like holy shit look what this ship can do look what the ship has and then you start thinking about it and it's like yeah, it's got its cheesy buttons and stuff like that. But that could just be the sort of, like, Apple design, you aesthetic, know, of, of yeah, the Aesthetic, yeah, the design yeah, aesthetic, like, yeah. They're just I mean, like, we designed these buttons because the color scheme of the buttons are easy for you to pick out what you're going to do. It's not the most, you know, we could have done it in the size of a postage stamp. But this yeah. looks nice. It's pleasing yeah. to the eye, and it's laid out. Not, yeah, so but, it works. And it also helped that, like, when they when uh, Bakula comes out in the in the the old uniform or the for him the new uniform, and Hoshi's all like, "What are you wearing?" You know, it really helps to sell it. Like, right. even they're kind of commenting like, "Yeah, this is what the heck is that? That thing is goofy looking." And um, but you know, it helps to sell it. Really, well, you know, the way, that's yeah. where I think he's like sort of making a joke about going into Kirk mode because he's just sort yeah. of like, "I don't know, I'm kind of getting a feel for it," you know. Mm-hmm. Kind of yeah. digging this, you know. But the, yeah. the the sad part of it is, though, the the what I consider to just be an absolute tragedy is that no goatees. You know, here here's the best. No, what's his name had a goatee. Um, I can never remember that character's name. The the Vulcan guy that uh, that T'Pol was oh, yeah. trying to convince oh. to help him out. Oh, I it, didn't know he was a normal character. Yeah, he was character. a regular character. I think by this point in the series, he was dead in mm-hmm. our universe, but in in the mirror universe, he did have the goatee. I thought that was a nice touch. Um, but you know, here they are. Finally, they had hit their stride. You know, the show was really really good at this point. Here they had delivered probably, you know, probably the two best episodes of the entire series. You know, that's arguable because they had a lot of really good episodes about this time. But definitely, you know, if you were ever going to tune in for two episodes of the show, these were the two episodes to tune into. You know, because they're just I really enjoyed them. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And Uh, right when they had finished filming the scene where Bakula is standing up on top of the shuttlecraft and delivering that very Kirk-like speech, as soon as they were done filming that scene is when they got word that they were not going to be picked up again for another season. And I'm just like, Jesus, you know, the, the, the dripping irony there, you know? I mean, it's just so sad. Because I tell you, you know, I don't know if you could pick the show up cold starting with the third season or not. And, and really understand where the show is going. So you probably do have to wade through the first and second seasons. But 
if you ever want to watch some of the best Trek ever, in my opinion, mm -hmm. that third season of Enterprise kicks ass. It's yeah. great. And it's to my in my opinion, it, it has the hands down clear winner of best season ender ever with that third season, because not only does it wrap up in a just spectacular fashion that you're just like, holy shit, that was awesome. But it doesn't really end at all because then it just cliffhangers into the next big storyline at the end. So it kind of gives you that punch in the gut of, oh, my God, it's not over yet, you know, and it's just fantastic, uh, really solid Star Trek. So I'm glad you enjoyed this. I'm hoping yeah. you're intrigued enough to go back and check out more of the series yeah. now. Yeah, uh, that that last season of Enterprise was on my DVR for ever until I had a little power outage and lost it. Ugh. But I mean, that was, I mean, I just could not, I watched that over and over again. It was so good. I mean, it really, you're right. It just, they just, just started hitting it, you know, all the, all the right buttons. They were just, this was like, this season was the one. If they had just gotten one more season, I think one they would have, yeah, that's it. It would have been yeah. like, they would have gotten more than one more. They would have gotten one more then another couple more. They would have gone the full seven. You know, no problem. Yeah, it, I think it, if they'd have just gotten, re you know, like you said, just one more season, hopefully word of mouth would have gotten out. Because the thing was, is that, you know, they weren't one of these stubborn shows like, say, like, D I think what they had done, I think they had learned lessons from shows like DS9 and Voyager that hung in there too long with the format that the, the creators came up with and just stuck to it regardless of what the fans were saying they wanted. I think Enterprise very quickly learned that, no, we're, we're getting feedback and we need to listen to the fans and, and, and obey this feedback. And they did. And you can see that happen somewhere in the transition between about mid-season two to mid-season three. You can see where the show is shifting, where they're trying to address all the complaints and all the issues that people had with the show so that, so that by the time they get to the end of that third season that show had fixed a lot of the issues that it had. It, it, it had suddenly become really good and solid Star Trek. But the shame was is I, they just didn't have a, enough time and enough word of mouth to, to turn that tide of, you know, so many people that had already written the show off coming back to, to see that the problems had been fixed. And they just they ran out of time. And what a shame. Yeah. If you work in TV, you should just have the assumption that there should always be a Star Trek TV show. Yeah. Sometimes <laughs> it's not going to be as successful. Sometimes it's going to be wildly successful. But you should probably always have a Star Trek TV show on. Yeah. Oh, wow. But what else can we say, though? It's a shame. I mean, but it, it did go out on a high note. You you know, that's probably the best thing you could say. I that's mean, they true. You know, they could have dragged it out a little too long. You know, like Voyager was a little too much, you know, but, you know, it was a it, it was just that first season was a little tight, but that but they started really moving in the second and third season, you know. Well, I think there's some the computer voice again. That was yeah. the other thing oh, yeah. that really was awesome. I think that was really her too, if I'm not yeah, mistaken. Yes, it was. Sound, yeah. It sure sounded like her. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, that there, was... There's something kind of, I, I guess, fitting in a in an ironic way that 
you know, the, the, the Star Trek franchise began with, you know, a show that was canceled far too early and then ends essentially with Enterprise that was canceled, you know, far too early as well. There's something, I don't know, something kind of fitting in a, in a weird way about that, I guess. Mm-hmm. As opposed to, like you say, you know, two other series that kind of overstate their welcome in a lot of ways. <laughs> yeah. But, um, uh, like I said, it, any chance you get to see the original ship in action, it's just always going to hold a special place in my heart. Well, oh, you yeah. got to see it do things. Yeah, you got to see it in, like, action that they could never do in the show before. So it was just, it was great. Because yeah. I didn't really think about that till just after I saw it. And I'm like, I've never seen one of those. Sh- I've seen during the Kirk era, you know, one of the movie ships doing that. But yeah. And plus we got to see Jolene Baylock or whatever her name is in the lowest cut uniform I've ever seen. Comes, those, uh-huh. I mean, could they cut those pants any lower? <laughs> I was like, wow. <laughs> <laughs> They could, but not on the channel that they were showing it on. (laughs) Any lower and the world would be her gynecologist. (laughs) (laughs) Oof. (laughs) Oh, well. But, yeah, that was, I mean, yeah, that was truly awesome because I didn't, I, it got, it got me by surprise. I didn't know what to expect from it, so it was, yeah. My only nitpick was it with it was the the Gorn was a bit different, but if we can have different kinds of Klingons, then we can have a more limber, aggressive Gorn. Plus, it was really cool to watch the Gorn pounding a guy up against the wall like a baby doll. <laughs> yeah, the Gorn was uh, was a complete surprise to me watching this episode for the first time because I had forgotten. Well, when they and- said there's traces of of lizard saliva I was just like oh no maybe and then uh, when also when they said there were some reptoid types you know when they did a scan of the ship but then you know finally when they had the one guy going Gorn he's a Gorn he's a Gorn (laughs) and you know and also you can't forget the acting of the uh, the Enterprise cast acting totally opposite of the characters they've developed right Um, Oh, I was wondering I, about that. I noticed like they uh, like all the men did the like where they walk up to somebody like either facing them or facing away from them, but either way they basically walk right up to their ear like parallel to them and talk like really loudly. You, you will do this or you will go into the pain booth, you know. <laughs> Everybody's like talking right up in each other's personal space. The one that creeped me out the most was the doctor. There's something so ah. creepy about someone that evil and so pleasant about He's it. He's kind of Mengele. Yeah. Yeah, like something I'm doing his experiments. <laughs> yeah. Will you just die already? <laughs> Oof. I yeah. wondered about that. I wondered how many of the characters were completely, like, different and how many of them were just little variations because I don't know any of them. I figured Bacula was going to be, you know... Malcolm was still a weaselly little shit that I wanted to see somebody <laughs> smack around real good. But m- other than that, most of them were, uh, were yeah, like polar opposite to their yeah. character in the series. And it was. It was really – that's a testament to their, their acting skills that they could really pull that off. Yeah, because Merriweather was – in the show, he was sort of like 
everybody's little friend, you know, you know, the, the, the helmsman. Yeah. And this one, he was just like, you know, like the backstabbing, you know, you know, a kiss ass. I love that. <laughs> he said, you know, hey, it's an honor, sir. You know, you've already got the job. Don't talk yourself out of it. Right. Talk your out of it. <laughs> we actually, we met him at, uh, at, um, Dragon Con back in 09. He was the nicest guy. He was, was at- that who he met? Yeah. Oh, okay. You remember him now? Yeah, I do. Yeah, he was he was really cool. I'd, I yeah, I'd forgotten that he played uh like a completely opposite cuz he is he's very almost like uh he's almost like Wesley Crusher like in his regular role on the show. You know, he's very you know, he's he the was closer to LeVar Burton than yeah, the badass he was in this one when we met him in real life. You know, right, more yeah. of that just like laid back. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, he's he's solid in this episode as, oh, as yeah. uh, you know, the I, bad guy. I think the only one that was sort of the same role was uh Jolene Baylock, you know, to Paul. Because she pretty much was the same that Vulcan demeanor. Same, I guess same as say. Spock in the original one though. Yeah, you know? Exactly, yeah. Yeah. Um, and Hoshi. Come on, what do you say about Hoshi? They turned her from, I mean, I guess the closest was in the show, she was more of that kind of like the girl next door type character. Not quite, but, you know, she was, you know. And then in this one, they just turned her to super slut. I mean, wow. She, in the, in the, in the episodes, you know, the, the proper universe in the series proper, she was always, to me, very much the Deanna Troy character. She's just like, why the hell are you even here? You're useless, <laughs> and you don't add anything to the ensemble cast. And I think, I think again, that they were listening to the fans with this episode and proving that, no, her character might not be the greatest thing, but look, this woman's got acting chops, and I thought she did a really good, ep- uh, really good job in this particular episode, because up to this point, I can't think of another episode where I was like, you know, eh, Hoshi. You know, most of the time it's just like, all right, get rid of her already because she just doesn't bring anything. But she was solid in this one. She I was bringing it in this one. Yeah. <laughs> she brought it all over the place. <laughs> yeah, she even brought the poison to the show. <laughs> she just brings it to whoever's captain. Yeah. Although at the end she was bringing it to everybody. That look she gave when she uh, kissed Merriweather and just kind of looked back at the at um, oh, yeah. Archer, like, you know, that was the eat yep. shit, man. Yep, that's you know? right, asshole. Look at that. Aww. <laughs> right, that was a great twist ending. It really was. It was a really good twist ending. It's really weird because when he was reaching for my his drink and I was watching that, I'm like, oh, maybe it's poisoned. But then I'm thinking to myself, Nah, whatever, you know, but yes. I never picked up on that until he started, you know, collapsing. That's pretty good that you saw that. It wasn't, It oh, trust me, it wasn't insight or anything like that. It was just from, you know, the every. that's how it is in the, you know, everybody was after everybody's back. I mean, he actually, like, threw the captain in, in, in the brig in this one. And still afterwards, the captain was like, okay, well, I have to deal with this. And still, he was still, you know, he ended up in the pain machine for a while. But he was still, hey, you're still part of the crew. And the captain was still working with him and stuff. But only out of sheer, you know, practicality. But 
you know, I, I, I was just thinking, oh, maybe it's poison because that's a possible story element that you could <laughs> throw in this universe. But yeah, it wasn't, I didn't, I didn't Sherlock Holmes, like, see any clues or anything. <laughs> or, yeah. Dum, 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 a clue! I don't know now why they... I'm taking credit away from myself. I shouldn't do that, but yeah. There at the end, did they say that uh, that they had wiped the database? I remember him saying something about he was thinking about it or something, but did they actually say that they'd gone ahead and done it? Well, he told her to do it the next next morning. You know, after he finished um, their little romp in bed, he told Hoshi, you know, uh, that to uh, to erase it, you know, right before he croaked from the poison. Right. So, yeah, but yeah, it makes sense, you know. <laughs> Get rid of it, all it the does. Other stuff. It, it does, because that was another thing I, I forgot to mention, but that was another thing that's always kind of stood out to me in this, is that, okay, so if they've got, suddenly they've got a hundred-year technology jump on the other universe, then it seems like by the time of the original Mirror Mirror Universe episode, that wouldn't these two universes be severely out of sync technologically, but it doesn't seem uh, like they are. Because, because I'm going to use, I think Spock, would have used his argument in another episode or something that that them being warlike and all that they might not be innovators as much as like they could take it apart right was, backwards that, engineer it but they probably hadn't advanced on it a lot over yeah, that, the next hundred years you know what i mean yeah that was from the uh the dc comics the um the, you remember you guys went over to the Mirror Mirror right. side? Right. Oh, it wasn't. It was actually about the Mirror Mirror universe. Right. Yeah. Ah, yeah I that's... knew I'd seen it, seen it or heard it somewhere, Star Trekky. <laughs> yeah. Um, uh, another great moment before I forget. I, the, when they um, they killed the um, um, the other ship, uh, the Avenger, that had the um, um, the. Uh, Vulcan leading the attack right. on the Defiant. Total con scene. You know, he's sitting there in the bridge in flames. Ah! You know, kind of like all you all you needed to hear was, you know, it, it just so reminded me, except for the, obviously, you know, Khan never screamed like that. But, I mean, he's just sitting there in a total defeat. Like, you know, I'm not going to give up. Ship is in, just being destroyed around me. And he's <laughs> nowhere to go, basically. I mean that was that was pretty interesting watching that and wasn't there um, a Star Trek novel about that ship, the Avenger? Hmm. I don't know. I, think uh, I don't so. know I about can't that. Remember. I, I'm, I'm there is one called Avenger. It's one of the the Shatner uh, mm -hmm. Shatnerverse books called Avenger, but I don't I don't know if it's about that starship. I don't think so. Or, I don't. Well, I mean, they may just say, share the same name. I mean, I don't. It, obviously, it's going to be a few hundred years out of date. Right. So, yeah. But um, yeah, that, that was all around. It just that's such a great episode. And I mean, that whole last season, you know, uh, I'm interested in seeing if you follow up on this, Chris, and watch a couple more, like um, the one with the uh, explanation about the Klingons. Yes. Oh, yeah. that's right. I heard about that. Now, if I do it, I'll probably just start over from the beginning and just skip the music every time. Because literally, <laughs> that's what I did. That's what I did when I watched years ago. It. Years ago, I downloaded the first episode and I thought, "All right, I'm about ready to watch 
a Star Trek show, and I'm thinking to myself, I've missed Deep Space Nine and Voyager, and instead of catching up with those, I can watch all of Enterprise, and that's ahead in the timeline, or earlier in the timeline. So then if I, you know, then if I watch Deep Space Nine and Voyager, uh, you know, the, 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 I won't have to know anything from those two to watch this one, you know? Mm-hmm. So I watched the first episode and didn't it have a whole long sequence with the Klingon crashing into the cornfield before they played the music. And it had the Klingon in the cornfield and all this stuff. And I was just like, all right, this is kind of awesome. I like the premise so far. And it had like a scene with the young, young, with Bakula as a young boy, right? Like sort of like talking to his dad. And uh, and I was like, I'm digging this premise. I like how they're starting it. I like this idea. And then that music started. <laughs> and I was just, you know, there's there's points where you're like, I don't like that song. But this was just not a point of just not liking the song. It was just like, what the hell is this kind of music doing? And And that seems to me more of a reaction that would come out of Scott than me. But it's wrong. It's it's wrong what they're doing. And it's it's that I'm like, you need timeless music. You need music made with an orchestra that could have been a hundred years ago, could be a hundred years from now. There'll always be someone with an orchestra doing or even if they're synthesized, it, they'll still be synthesizing cellos and oboes and stuff to get that sound, mm-hmm. you know, for that kind of music. And instead, here you have this, like, very cheesy, dated 90s pop song. And it's, yeah. it's like, this, a, this, you know, I, I don't want a Star Trek theme that's like, you know, doing it my way or whatever, you know. Yeah. I don't want a Star Trek <laughs> song that I can sing the words to. Yeah, oh, I totally Even want a Star Trek the uh, Star Trek show with the Laverne and Shirley uh, music to it. Totally. Shamil, Shamil. Yeah. <laughs> worse is it gets Mr. Some... Spock Incorporated. <laughs> Mr. Spock Incorporated. And like shows McCoy putting a glo- like a space glove on a beer bottle as it goes by and then waving goodbye to it. Uh, yeah, I don't know what was worse. The actual lyrics to that song or the fact that it got some bad Rod Stewart imitation guy singing that song. Well, it was that Eddie Vedder, Eddie Cheddar sort of like, Hardy singing. I'm constipated in space. I mean what I'm saying because I'm uh, earthy American like Bruce Springsteen, but I'm way cheesier. <laughs> yeah, it, that's not the that's not what I want to be getting out of my Star Trek theme. I want majesty, not some drunk studio musician <laughs> collecting I have a paycheck. To, I have to be honest though that after um, you know having the DVDs and watching the special features and the making of segments and all that, I won't defend the song. <clears throat> defend the song. Oh boy, but I feel like I know what they were trying to go for. Is they they were really trying to go for, you know, the the, the best a- analogy I could draw was I think they were trying to go for something similar to More the Earthbound. opening to um, from the Earth to the Moon series that HBO yes. did a few years ago about yes, which the Apollo had what? program, majestic music. Yeah, it did. Was and it that, like, was, that was from Earth to the Moon. <laughs> we gotta get that soon. 
moon. But I think that's what they were trying to go for, though. And and but I think, you know, for all the stories they tell and and everything that makes me nod my head, going, yeah, okay, I can see that. At the same rate, they may have been trying to go for that, but I think that there may have been some some studio uh antics going on that made them have yeah, to like small realize it or something you some know with hack wrote the music and so, and they hired studio musicians to do it it has every there it has every indication of just like a hacked out studio theme song you know it 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 it, it sucks it sucks yeah. it sucks I hate yeah it's it. like this guy must have had compromising photos of the studio execs or something uh-huh yeah, his name's like like um, you know um, Frankie Frankie Roddenberry or something. It's just like it's, it, but at least like when when um, Sylvester Stallone would get his brother to write some stupid song for Rocky, it was halfway decent and fit, you know. Oh, okay. <laughs> Take yeah, me back. A do 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 right? Everybody, everybody loves that song, right? <laughs> it's just sad that these two episodes had a better theme song for Enterprise than the than the the real. And it's season. the theme song of evil. But then again, when you listen to Devil Went Down to Georgia, the Devil's guitar solo, I think I really think the or violin solo, I really think the Devil won. <laughs> if you ask me, and the Devil Went Down to Georgia, I think uh, it wasn't so obvious a win for Johnny. <laughs> I think the evil music is always better, and this, and this, uh, and this wouldn't have made a suitable theme for Enterprise in the long run either, because it was too martial and warlike, <laughs> and it didn't really have a discernible theme. It was mostly just you know dun 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 dun, dun bums and and flourishes and stuff, but still, that's one hundred billion trillion times better than that thing they had before, <laughs> and. That's what made me great because I the, the the I think that really is what made me enjoy this most of all. Not even the nostalgia and the good story and the good acting, was sitting there bracing myself for that. <laughs> First, don't you see like a compass or something like a Galileo compass or something, and then the then that thing they call music they decided was music starts <laughs> happening, and Hello, I'm bracing bro. myself for it and going. All right, well, we'll take one for the team here because Scott says it's a good episode. And it's like, all right, well, all right. And then they put the, you know, the Empire symbol up with the with the sword through the planet, and I'm just like, well, all right. I mean, didn't they even go so far as to, um, in this episode, to reverse the direction that the camera panned away from that, that Galilean globe? You know, where it shows a, you know, if I remember correctly, they used to pan upwards, and this one panned downwards. They did little details like that that made that opening yeah. so much better. Yeah, they made it like a Nazi propaganda film. Yeah, yeah, It was like the so. actual show was made in the Mirror Universe. Which is hilarious. That's what somebody should do, a fan-made Star Trek that is... Star Trek that they show during Kirk's time, you know, where Kirk and Spock have licensed themselves out to, you know, you know, whatever Space Fox TV. <laughs> and uh, so then you have, you know, actors playing Kirk and Spock. Actually, that's what they could do with uh, what's his name? Star Trek New Voyages guy. I think he's stymied oh, yeah. now. I, I think, think that's their set. 
that's being used in this episode. Oh, okay. That's cool. That's why it looked so good. <laughs> okay. I think he's, I've heard he's like been stymied. I heard ever since 2009 movie came out, they were just like, oh, no, you're done. <laughs> nope, sorry, you can't play with Kirk and Spock anymore. They're in play now again, so. Well, he's no, he's no longer um, starring in them anymore. They've got a, they got a new Kirk. <laughs> Is that like new Coke? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, I thought I saw the promo for one of the latest episode they did, and it's like they've got somebody else playing uh, Kirk. Somebody should actually do a Photoshop of like of all the all the different Kirks, but like um, Photoshop them in different kinds of Coke with Shatner's original recipe. <laughs> Oh well. And you notice original recipe gets gets relegated to a special special brew for a while, but then it comes back. <laughs> well, uh, what do you think? About ready to wrap this one up? I think yeah, I think we've uh <laughs> we've about exhausted our gushing for for both of these. I was very yeah. happy to see the Tholian web so close to Halloween. It's a yeah. good Halloween. It's yeah. a better one than Cat's Paw, really, to watch around Halloween. Oh, yeah. Oh, God, yes. <laughs> yes, and, yes. Uh, that reminds me, I got it since tomorrow's Halloween, I got to put up that ep- that old episode up on our Facebook page for the <laughs> for a little rehash value. <laughs> when Star Trek attacks. <laughs> mine, uh, mine, was, mine was the Horda. That's what... Uh, that's what really. That's what sent me behind the couch hiding when I was a little kid. <laughs> but. Uh oh. It's time to hit up the old Star Trek computer. Aha. Uh-huh. So, uh. All right, we got it running here. It's about to spit out a number. It is number. All right. Now we're gonna test uh, Chris Gallo's. Uh, Star Trek uh, acumen. <laughs> it is episode, <laughs> and yeah, okay. Just just so everybody knows, ninety percent chance now that we've already done this one. But number thirty. Thirty. Okay. Oh, jeez. That's so. That's gonna be <sighs> crap. And, you know. It... Of course it would be though. You know, <laughs> when I when I sit there brag, I know right now Scott already knows what it is because he's already looked it up. But you were supposed <laughs> to be the human Star Trek computer man. Yeah. <laughs> all right, show me up, Scott. Which one is it? Tell me I'm wrong all the time, will you? <laughs> Number thirty is a mock time. You need to review the the Cable Guy movie for that one also, you know, the scene. Now you know what this means. This means we're going to have to have another special guest next month. Because if I'm not mistaken, I think that uh, that our good friend Mr. Andy Leyland has specifically oh, told us I many times that he will that. disavow any knowledge of us if we do an episode uh, uh, covering a mock time and we don't ask him in on it. So, oh, uh, that yeah. episode has been so parodied and so many different shows for just that the scene. You know, what was the one in Futurama? 
<laughs> they call like Scott still has a watch that wonderful one where no fan has gone before. Oh, but th- there was an episode where they were on uh, Doctor Zorberg's planet and uh, right. Fry and Zorberg had a fight to death. And I love, I love the fact. And now the playing of our national anthem. Dun 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 dun. Oh my god. Oh, we're going to get to see Soup Throne. It's going to be a riot. <laughs> Still has have... the bet one of the best lines. Live long and prosper. I shall do neither for I have killed my captain and my friend. <laughs> <laughs> so it's one more round for experience and I'm on the road again. American top I'm Morgan Freeman, your guest host this week for the Star Trek Monthly Monday Long Distance Dedication. Star Trek Monthly Monday can be heard on the Two True Freaks podcast, heard in the 50 states and around the world on the internet. This week, our long distance dedication goes out to a young lady serving aboard a starship deep in space. Her subspace message is as follows. Dear Freaky Freaksome, I think I am losing my mind. Lately, I have been seeing the ghostly image of my captain hovering above me while I am in my quarters. The rest of the crew thinks I have gone insane and are threatening to sedate me. Please, please tell me that everything will be alright. And there actually is somebody watching me well Lieutenant Uhura this dedication is especially for you Rockwell's somebody's watching me good night and God bless all the freaks everywhere do you ever find yourself going to amazon.com and uh, buying some record or movie or some stupid thing that two true freaks have been talking about so that you can catch up on it or you've been reminded of it or something? Well, now, how about this? Instead of going to Amazon.com, go to twotruefreaks.libson.com and follow our link to Amazon.com. When you do that, if you buy something over at Amazon, we get a little cut out of it, which is awesome because we love money and it won't cost you a thing you can sponsor an episode of this or any other of your favorite two true freaks affiliated shows simply click the paypal link on our website donate any amount at all Tell us which show you're choosing and what message, if any, you'd like us to read on your behalf. And you will be an official sponsor of that show's very next episode. With your message read in the show's opener. It's that easy. And there is no minimum donation. Be a show sponsor today. Who's playing 
visit our website at twotruefreaks.libsyn.com. Two True Freaks is always spelled T-W-O-T-R-U-E-F-R-E-A-K-S. Libsyn is spelled L-I-B-S-Y-N. You can email Two True Freaks directly at twotruefreaks at gmail.com. Join our forum at forumforgeeks.com where you can discuss all of the shows on our feed with us and your fellow listeners. You can find Two True Freaks on Facebook. Just search for Two True Freaks. And hey, you can friend me, Scott Gardner, on Facebook too. My name is spelled S-C-O-T-T-G-A-R-D-N-E-R. You can friend me on Facebook too, if you can find me. Now available, Two True Freaks t-shirts. See our website for details. Two True Freaks is a very proud member of the Comics Podcast Network. You can check that out at www.comicspodcast.com, where you can hear our new episodes when we put them up. We are also members of the League of Comic Book Podcasts. For more information, visit comicbooknoise.com league. If you ever leave your house and you actually have friends, why don't you tell them about Two True Freaks? Thanks for listening, and join us every Monday for new episodes of Two True Freaks. Future Freaks has been brought to you today by Damanzo Corps of Milan, Italy, and by the letters F and U.